Hello everybody, I'm Matt Mikuchi and you are listening to the Jazz's podcast. Jazz is online editor Matt Mikuchi here welcoming you to a new episode of our podcast series of conversations with some of the most amazing artists on the jazz and creative music scene today, a series that we simply like to call The Jazz is Podcast. And it's brought to you in conjunction with Jazz is Vinyl Club, a series of vinyl compilations carefully curated by the Jazz is editors and that is an absolute must for lovers of jazz and vinyl alike. In today's episode of the Jazz Ace podcast, we have the pleasure of hosting Josh Nelson, the acclaimed pianist and composer and one of the most sought-after band leaders on the West Coast with seven critically acclaimed records under his own name. Join us as Nelson delves into the captivating stories that inspired his latest live album, LA Stories, Live at Sam First, a remarkable release under the newly established Sam First Records label associated with the revered Los Angeles jazz venue. Beyond this album, Nelson takes us on a journey through his musical evolution, reflecting on his formative years, his experience of collaborating with the late great Natalie Cole, and much more. So fire up on Audiotini and listen to the audio waves as they fly through the air. This is the Jazz Ace Podcast. Hello, Josh. Welcome to the Jazz Is Podcast. Thank you so much, Matt. What a pleasure. It's a pleasure to speak with you, Josh, and it's a Thank pleasure you. to meet you and to have you on our podcast series, really. Uh, and uh, yeah, just the way that we like to start these podcasts is to break the proverbial ice uh, by asking the artist I speak with to share a memory with me from early life or childhood of a moment that stands out, it sticks out to them when they think back and they realize maybe that's a moment where I awaken to the beauty and power of music and Maybe also that's a moment that helped me realize I would like to do this when I grow up. So <laughs> do you have one such memory that you could share with us? Oh, sure. One that just came to mind uh, immediately was um, uh, I, I'm from L.A. and uh, I've been going to the, the famous Hollywood Bowl uh, performance venue for, for many years. It's a big, you know, big spot for music in Los Angeles and the West Coast. And I think 15,000 people it, it can fit. It's, it's a huge venue. I've been going there since I was a kid and my father took me to see the LA Philharmonic play. And it was when the great Andre Previn was the conductor. Um, and my grandfather had just started introducing his music to me. I was about four or five years old, I want to say. And um, it was just a, a good memory, you know, of seeing a, a great pianist and conductor, you know, perform with as my first orchestra concert. And I remember he, he had selected Dmitry Shostakovich's Fifth Symphony, which is now one of my favorite classical pieces, a very, very powerful piece of music. And I went on to actually play at the Hollywood Bowl a few times. I played there twice with Natalie Cole when I was touring with her. Um, and then I played at the Playboy Jazz Festival when that was happening. So kind of full circle moment, you know, as a kid 
going to a wonderful venue and then maybe wondering if I would one day be on that stage. And uh, lo and behold, I, I all the hard work and the piano lessons paid off and I got to, got to perform there a number of times. So kind of, kind of cool, cool memory for me. Definitely really cool. And thanks for sharing that, you know. Uh, so at what age did you start uh, playing the piano or learning to play the piano? I was about eight years old. Uh, and then at around 11 years old, um, I started playing trumpet. And I was a pretty serious trumpet player. I, I really wanted to pursue that. I didn't think piano would take over. But as soon as I got to college, and I met some really talented <laughs> trumpet players, I said, Oh, that's something different. <laughs> that takes a lot more work. So the, the, the piano won out. And uh, yeah, so. Did you find that it was also because you uh, were interested in composing? Uh, was that in any way part of the reason why you then decided eventually to settle for the piano? Yeah, that's a good, good point, Matt. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, piano speaks to me as a, as a compositional tool as so many you know, others have discovered it to be that. And I teach at USC and I'm sometimes teaching students that aren't necessarily pianists, but they want to improve their arranging skills or compositional skills. Um, and of course, the piano is the orchestra. So it's it's a wondrous instrument. And you make a good point. It's probably because I was starting to think about composition and it was so easy to just sit down and start playing and writing Trumpet helped me, you know, I think with phrasing and breathing and feeling the music physically in a different way than piano. And I still play it once in a while, the, the trumpet that is. And so, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> I'm glad I selected the piano because um, overall there's, you know, a lot to be done with that instrument. And I feel like I work, you know, and, and create uh, a lot. I'm stay quite busy uh, in all, all areas of music, obviously focus on jazz but film scoring and some TV work and all, all kinds of stuff. So the piano is is my universe. <laughs> excellent, yeah. excellent. Well, we'll get in. Uh, we'll talk more about your composition uh, work later. But like first, I just wanted to return to your journey in music and especially in your early years and uh, working with uh, so many great artists. You know, so many great vocalists. You mentioned you talked about Natalie Cole much yes. missed, and I would love for you to share, uh, uh, you know, some some words or memories about touring with her because I believe you toured with her for six years. Is that right? That's right. Six and a half almost. Uh, uh, I was her last pianist before she passed away on, you know, kind of a young age, 65 in 2015. I can't believe she's been gone eight years. It's, we had a lot of good times together. Um, she was she was a wonderful uh, person to, to work with. And um, I was a huge fan of her dad. I, you know, Nat King Cole, I, I remember that moment I looked in her eyes the first time I met her and I could see her dad's eyes looking back at me that was pretty special um and uh we we toured all over her health was not good um for the last part of her life um but she had some new energy um in 2009 uh when she got a kidney transplant that was much needed and then she took the world by storm for the next three or four years and um there were some amazing touring opportunities in there i mean one of my favorite moments was three nights at the Sydney Opera House with the symphony, the Sydney symphony playing with her. That was pretty magical. <laughs> uh, hard to top that. Um, but I, I got to play for president at the time, president Barack Obama. I met him because of her. 
just a private concert. You know, she was, she was royalty. You know, there was no one, no one quite like her. And I don't think there will be anyone like her again. She occupied an interesting space, not only in jazz, but she had her R and B and kind of rock, you know, gospel roots too. She was more of a rock, rock and roll kind of, kind of singer. She would admit that. I mean, her dad's music spoke to her, but her music was just seventies. Uh, I mean, she loved, you know, Jefferson airplane and Leonard Skinner. She would talk about Led Zeppelin. And <laughs> I didn't know that because the music I grew up with from her, of course, was like unforgettable that record from the early nineties, but yeah, she had a lot of different shades in her music. And I, I got a lot of experience with her in different genres, not just jazz. So that she trusted me with her piano chair was very special to me. And uh, yeah, I'll never, never forget that experience with Natalie. Very special, very special time for me. Uh, you know, speaking about landmark moments in your career and, you, you know, as soon as we are going to be talking about uh, uh, some of your most recent albums, I did want to go back a little bit and talk about your debut as a leader, uh, which I believe came in. 2004 is that correct it was titled anticipation that was your oh. very first one right very first record it didn't really reach all that far because it was a self-release and at the time i didn't <laughs> didn't have pr didn't have radio yeah. it was kind of a limited release so i always think about the following record as being a little bit more of the of, of a firmer statement that reached a, a, a more global, um, you know, audience. And that was let it go from 2006. Right. Uh, Cause that was on a, a label called native language. And I had a great band with Seamus Blake and Anthony Wilson and Matt Wilson, Sarah Gazarek, the vocalist I had just started kind of working with her. And um, that was a really, really special album for me. So I kind of, in my mind, think of that as like my first full, <laughs> first full release. But thinking back to those early records then, yeah. uh, did you see that working on those projects as a way that you were finally, a time when you were finally able to express yourself in ways that you hadn't been allowed to before in other collaborations or, or just in your work with other great artists, you know? Oh, most definitely. I mean, with Let It Go, um, the label gave me carte blanche to, to make the record I wanted. I had a great budget. <laughs> it was 2005, six, so... The music industry was a lot different. I feel like people were buying records. Obviously, things have changed in the last you know, 17 years. So it, it felt like a little bit of the hearkening back to the old days of music making or label where labels would, you know, spend the money uh, for their artists, invest in artists. Um, I kind of miss those days, of course, <laughs> as I'm sure many artists do if they ever had that experience. So I feel lucky to have had uh, some time with a label that, you know, invested in me. And believed in my music uh, and let me write the music that I wanted to write. So I had a string quartet on there. Oh, we went to town. Um, I, I wrote a bunch of new music for that album. I got really inspired. So yeah, I mean, that's that was that was those early records. You know, I was definitely experimenting with instrumentation and and themes. Um, my discovery project um, multimedia show that would come starting in 2011. Uh, I could see the beginnings of that expression happening in those earlier records before that. And the discovery project kind of allowed me to experiment with themed projects uh, using multimedia visual aspects during the live performances. So I got interested in uh, writing music about 
early science fiction writers like Jules Verne and H.G. Wells. I wrote a piece for Nikola Tesla. Um, and then I moved on to music about Mars. I got really interested in the planet Mars because we were starting to send rovers there to explore. So I have a whole record called Exploring Mars. And then after that, I looked at my hometown of Los Angeles and kind of wrote music about the people, places, and events that were important to LA's history. So it all started though with those early records, of course, and having parents that encouraged me in the arts. My dad worked for the Walt Disney Company as an Imagineer, and that was pretty inspiring as a kid, you know, um, to see imagination and uh, the technical wherewithal coming together. And so I got really interested in producing records that, you know, weren't just studio recordings. There was something behind them. There was theme, there was story, there was, there was another direction. I wanted to impart those things that I found interesting uh, to an audience. Um, so yeah, uh, that's kind of, <laughs> kind of the beginnings of, uh, of my stuff. And I continue to do that now with the latest record is kind of another LA look at LA um, history and, and current things going on here and try to reflect that musically. Where are you going, Tiburcio? Where are you hiding today? Sun passes by and I wonder why you're always running away. I miss you so much. The track you are hearing is from LA Stories, live at Sam First, by Josh Nelson. And we'll resume our conversation with the artist in a moment. But first, I wanted to remind you that if you love jazz and vinyl, you should check out Jazz Is Vinyl Club, a new series of vinyl compilations carefully curated by the Jazz Is editors and featuring some of the most exciting jazz artists from yesterday and today that we cover in the print version of Jazz Is, jazzis.com and these Jazz Is podcasts. Go to jazzes.com and click on Join Vinyl Club. But for now, back to our conversation with Josh Nelson. You Where does the time go, Tiburcio? You know, you talked about the change in times and the ways that, you know, the, the, the evolution and change in times and, you know, music. Yeah. I've changed the way in which music is produced, but also consumed, you know, right. but, uh, you know, in 2020, of course, we experienced something that, uh, was, was, uh, quite dramatic and uh, unexpected, yeah. sudden, uh, and just, you know, of course, I'm talking about uh, the pandemic lockdowns yeah. and, and in 2022, you released this album called Tomorrow is Not Promised. The title mm. itself is quite evocative and, uh, but and this album really is is a powerful, really powerful. Listening uh, to it today is uh, oh, you know just yeah, it's it's it remains a powerful statement. But but I did want to ask you about you know making this album. Did it represent your thoughts, feelings, and emotions about those times? And just in general, where were you at creatively in the COVID uh, lockdown period? Yeah, I'll start with the album. And thanks for the kind words about that. Um, that was a collaborative effort with a, a, a bassist from Kansas City, now lives in um, outside Yellowstone National Park, Bob Bowman, who played with Carmen McRae and Toshiko Kiyoshi. He's a veteran of the scene, 
wonderful guy. And we assembled his friends from University of North Texas that he went to school with in the 60s. Uh, a great trumpet player, Clay Jenkins, Bob Shepard on saxophone. Yeah, Larry Kuntz on guitar, uh, Steve Houghton on the drums. It was a really fun project. And um, I had written a song for that band, and it was from a piece of paper that my grandfather kept. The title came from a piece of paper that my grandfather kept in his wallet. And it was something to the effect of uh, the, the hands of time will stop when you least expect it as tomorrow's not promised. So kind of a live for today, knowing that maybe tomorrow might not happen. <laughs> and uh, it just because we recorded it during the pandemic, it, it definitely reflected, I think, all of our collective feelings about being in the moment, sharing music with friends, doing something, you know, now and not, you know, waiting to do something, um, especially, yeah, with just how much of oh, death and oh gosh it was such a horrible time so to make music during that time was was equally or just um it was special in a different kind of way uh i will say at the first few months of the pandemic i think we all were just so scared and freaked out about what was going on i i kind of didn't do any music and it was a nice break in a way because there was nothing happening and um, I ended up watching a lot of cinema, <laughs> joining a film club, and I, I have a huge, huge love for the, the film world. So that, of course, feeds the music as well. Um, but then right after that, I got interested in something I'd been wanting to do for a while, which was write a full-length string quartet piece. So I did that. It's nearly done. Uh, four movements, something I'd been wanting to do for a long time. It kind of brought me out of the jazz world for a minute and i love classical music film music so that became kind of a, a direction for me um and gave me something to work towards um uh yeah and did some interviews um wrote you know i didn't feel like writing a lot of jazz um music per se because no one was playing so i'm more inspired when we're all getting together and performing live of course improvisation happens when you're in the same room with people <laughs> We all got really good at this, what we're doing now, some podcasting. I got my microphone and home studio set up much more together, teaching Zoom lessons. I taught, oh my God, so many Zoom lessons, Matt. It was crazy. Um, those have died off a bit, of course. Um, but yeah, we all got very familiar with Zoom. <laughs> and uh, yeah. yeah, and then of course, as things progressed and uh, the world started to open up a little bit, I started making some albums with people. Um, vocalist Sidney Jacobs, wonderful guy here in town. We made a record um, and worked on that. And we produced it. That one you mentioned got produced. Tomorrow's Not Promised. I released a record called Live at Blue Whale, uh, which was our great jazz club here, which closed in the pandemic. I had made some recordings there um, in 2018 and 2019. And that came out during that time. So there was some creative, there were some creative musings and activity happening for sure. Um, I did a, a weekly um, kind of fireside chat uh, where I'd make a cocktail, talk about the latest vinyl records I found, play some tunes, kind of theme it a little bit. Um, and that was really fun. It was every Wednesday and I probably did 50 of those. Um, so that kind of helped keep the creative juices flowing. Great. You had a lot going on then. <laughs> Tried to keep busy and, and keep active, you know, relatively speaking when we couldn't yeah. really do anything <laughs> but, 
But then, yeah. of course, then uh, we should talk about also LA stories. Uh, sure. Live at Sam first because, and it feels appropriate, really, when uh, that we should be talking about a live album. Uh, what was it like yeah. to return to live performing once you finally were able to? Oh, just an incredible feeling of reuniting with, with of course, friends. I've uh, been on the scene here my whole life. Um, well, since I was about twenty, I guess so over twenty-five years. Um, but that first gig back was pretty pretty special. I think we're all just nervous. And it was at Sam First, actually. And for those who don't know, Sam First is a very, very nice, small, but uh, intimate cocktail bar right near the entrance to LA International Airport. It's outside the airport. But it's um, if you're ever coming through LA and you have a flight and you have some time, just you can walk over there. It's definitely our best club. Um, it's a very special place. And uh, yeah, they started this label um, and they've put out five records. Mine was the second. Um, and, um, yeah, it was just a joy to work on that record. It had an incredible band, uh, Walter Smith, the third on tenor sax, Gabby Moreno, wonderful singer from Guatemala, uh, Larry Kuntz, my, my good friend on guitar, great bassist from Italy named Luca Alemano, who's was in the Thelonious Monk Institute and stayed in LA and my longtime collaborator on the drums, Dan Schnell, who's been on many, many of my records. So it was a very warm feeling in the room that weekend we recorded it and um i'm really happy how it came out how it came out yeah very very special and then of course this very simple question is this idea of la stories uh mm. what are the stories that you refer to in the title of this album yeah good question so uh, well jump back first to the sky remains the album that came out in 2017 where i examined the past, present, and future of LA. There were themes of transportation. I have a song called Bridges and Tunnels. We looked at amusement park culture, an old amusement park that burned down called Pacific Ocean Park, and I kind of pointed that. I look at uh, the writings of John uh, Fonte, who wrote about LA in a, in a book called Ask the Dust from the 1930s. Skip forward to um, this last, this is the newest record, and I, again, look at transportation. I look at the old red car trolleys that used to take people all over Los Angeles. The red car was was a great mode of transportation. Obviously, I didn't get to ride it because it was dismantled in the late 50s. But I kind of imagined an out-of-control red car um, careening through the streets of L.A. and try to impart that musically. I wrote a piece about um, an interesting character from L.A.'s history named Tiburcio Vasquez, who was the Robin Hood of LA. He kind of robbed from the, the rich to feed his, his Californios, his, the original Spanish Mexican settlers in the area. And Gabby Marino delivers a, an incredible performance um, told from the perspective of one of his uh, uh, women that was in love with him and just wanted him to come home. Um, Gabby also sings a song from the 1964 uh, classic Disney movie, Mary Poppins is apparently Disney's favorite tune that the Sherman brothers ever wrote called Feed the Birds. And that's part of the My LA story, Disney, my Disney connection. So, um, and then I have a song about my childhood dog. It's called Old Friend. When he passed away, I was reminiscing about him. Um, uh, Lullaby for Ludwig is a, about a friend who was in an unfortunate um auto accident and I wrote a piece for him and that happened in Los Angeles. So looking at 
things that happened to me, good, bad, also things that I imagined from LA's past or wish I could time travel and experience, things like that. Um, I wrote a piece for Kirk Douglas, the great actor, and Sidney Poitier. Um, they had just passed away, icons of the Hollywood you know, stage and screen. And an, so I wanted to look at cinema a little bit. So a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And that's, that's why LA Stories, it's kind of pointing at things that are important to me um, and possibly important to others who are spending any time in this really interesting city, which doesn't often talk about its past. We have a, a, a bad habit here of tearing down our old buildings and putting new ones up. But there is some history here for sure. Um, and I'm, I'm interested in kind of preserving it and, and also bringing it into a modern setting and a, and a very, you know, present setting uh, with jazz. You know, in closing our conversation, I would like to ask you, seeing as we're recording, uh, you know, relatively close to the end of 2023, close to the beginning of a new year, uh, what's your schedule like uh, as far as tour, uh, touring dates or live performances? Yeah. Is there anything scheduled? And also, do you have any uh, ambitions? You know, you talked about some some of the projects that you're working on right now. Uh, that you could share with us, uh, you know, in closing? Well, I'm heading to Tokyo, Japan tomorrow. <laughs> Got a long flight ahead of me. Um, but um, Japan is a very special place that I've been many times, probably approaching 20 times. I've been traveling there for, you know, 17, 18 years now. But it's been five years since pre-pandemic. Um, I'm going by myself. I have some some dates, some solo shows. Um, I have a couple uh, things with vocalists there. If people are interested in, in that part of the world, they can go to my website. It's joshnelsonmusic.com. And I have some dates listed up there. Yeah. And then when I come back to LA next uh, year, we have a weekend at Sam first again, it's February 23 and 24, uh, where I'll be presenting um, some music, uh, new music and um, saxophonist Bob Shepard will be joining me. Um, so those, those are the kind of things coming up. Um, I teach at USC, University of Southern California. We just wrapped school this week. Uh, so I'm looking forward to the next semester. That's a, a fantastic institution uh, for any, you know, prospective students thinking about coming out to California. Of course, I highly recommend it's the Thornton School of Music at USC. We have an incredible faculty um, and uh, very special. We just had Clarence Penn, the, the wonderful drummer, join us because Peter Erskine retired after oh, 20 plus years. Uh, and we're on the lookout for another um, replacement for Alan Pasqua, the wonderful pianist who just also retired. So there's some changes happening at USC, but it's an exciting time there. and The students are absolutely fantastic. Um, I'm trying to um, uh, release a, a short EP that should be out in the spring. It's just a three song thing with my trio. So look for that on just digital plat streaming platforms. Uh, and then, yeah, I'm always working on another project. So probably something after that. Uh, I also love arranging, you know, for other, other folks. So, uh, I was a part of, um, a really great project that just got a Latin Grammy nomination. Yvonne Linz, the wonderful Brazilian composer who's still with us and making lots of music, just released a record that I'm playing on and arrange a little bit, uh, called My Heart Speaks. So if people are interested in that, I, I definitely recommend uh, the, the great music of Yvonne Lenz and that was a very exciting project for me I'm hoping it wins a Grammy so yeah, yeah a little yeah. bit of what's going on yep 
All right, uh, Josh, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you, Matt. Great questions. And I just love jazzes. I'm, you guys have been supporting me for so long and keep doing what you're doing. It's, it's really important and it's valued. So thank you. enjoyed my conversation with Josh Nelson and I remind you that LA Stories Live at Sam First is available now on Sam First Records and if you love jazz and vinyl be sure to check out our Jazz A's Vinyl Club. Join the club and we will send you four premium limited edition color vinyl albums mailed directly to you. Just go to jazzays.com and click on Join Vinyl Club for more. Anna's music from LA Stories, Live at Sam First by Josh Nelson plays us out. I encourage you to keep an eye out for more Jazz Ace podcasts, our print magazine and other great content available to you on our regularly updated website, jazzaze.com. And if you like what you see, you can always subscribe for more. Till the next time, this is Matt McCoochie signing off. See you soon. Bye.